VI Shots Podcast, episode number 39. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Ivaliotis, and this is the podcast devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, I bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas on software engineering with LabVIEW. Well, thank you all again for joining me on this episode of VI Shots. I'm your host, Michael Ivaliotis. Before we get on to our guest, I'd like to ask you to join our mailing list. You can join by going to vishots.com slash subscribe. And there you can join our mailing list where we will, or I will, uh, actually send you out an email notification when new podcast episodes are available or new video tutorials, or perhaps we're doing a VI Shots live session. So uh, in order to get uh, the best and latest update as to what's going on in VI Shots, please sign up for the newsletter at vishots.com slash subscribe. So I'm here today with Hunter Smith, who's a K-12 engineering specialist with National Instruments. Hunter, welcome to the show. Howdy. Thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, Hunter, it's been a while since we talked last. Uh, was it at NI Week 2012, I believe? Yeah, I think we, we got to meet up then. Yeah, and uh, interviewed you and uh, some of your interns that you had at Waterloo, La- Waterloo Labs. Uh, it's been a while since then. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what's been going on since then? Sure. So Waterloo Labs is kind of the, the place we have to vent our creativity sometimes. Uh, you know, we get to work on all kinds of cool applications at NI that, you know, have a, a broad range of applications. But sometimes we just want to have fun and do something, uh, you know, a little less practical and a lot more awesome. So, you know, Waterloo Labs uh, is something we do whenever we have time for and whenever we have the resources for. And so uh, our last project was the, the real-life Mario Kart, and I think that was... Uh, uh, obviously, a lot of fun. We produced that using some uh, summer interns that we had uh, um, a little while ago. But now we're back in force. Uh, this past summer, we were able to um, borrow a few interns from some other projects and basically get them to uh, spend a couple hours a week working on our, our latest system, the paintball rig. Um, and so we're, we're going to continue to try uh, to find opportunities to work together and to um, make fun projects. Yeah, the uh, the paintball. I think you call it paintball Picasso. <laughs> yes, and uh, it was it was a video that uh, just went out recently on YouTube. Uh, I think it was about a week or two ago, and uh, it was uh, really well made. Uh, I noticed you guys have improved a lot on your video producing skills there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, congrats to that. Uh, can you just give us an overview of what what the project is? Sure. So uh, this time we built the the paintball Picasso system, and what it is is it's three paintball markers uh, mounted on pan tilt servo motors, uh, where we have these high torque servo motors that can uh, move them around and point them in any direction. Uh, we then uh, control all of those using the the NI Myrio, or uh, yeah, the, the excuse me, uh, using the NI Myrio and control all the signals from there. Now, once we added in electronic triggers that allowed us to fire the paintball markers using a, a digital pulse, uh, we essentially had a system of you know robotic paintball markers we could move around, uh, and we wanted to come up with a couple cool things that we could do with that and. Uh, one of which was being able to outline a person. So we actually have a webcam connected directly to the Myrio, 
we take in your image, we use a green screen, and then we're able to have the markers outline you in paintballs, uh, shooting more than 10 paintballs per second. That sounds pretty dangerous. <laughs> it was definitely very thrilling uh, to be standing in the line of fire. It uh, definitely gets the uh, pulse pounding, especially because although uh, the system was pretty accurate, the paintballs themselves uh, aren't 100% accurate. So we did uh, hit a few people every now and then. Uh, so that certainly made it a little more exciting. So I was uh, watching the video, and it looks like there's a little bit of a, of a shake on the actual paintball guns themselves. Uh, was that what was causing kind of the um, not the inaccuracy, I guess? So there's there's a couple different sources of inaccuracy. Uh, you know, we, we tried to make a, a pretty uh, cheap and quick rig, so the rig itself has a little bit of bounce in it. Uh, I'd say the biggest source of bounce in our system was uh, the fact that we use digital servo motors without closed loop control so uh, because we were using those we basically just set them to a position and they would kind of snap to that and uh, and kind of bounce into place a little bit uh, we weren't able to to pull out the potentiometer signal from those motors and so we couldn't do pid or any kind of closed loop control to really uh, uh, you know help minimize that bounce. Uh, but then on top of all of that, uh, we actually had the inaccuracy of the paintballs themselves. Uh, because, you know, we tried to buy a lot of cheap paint, uh, we found that the balls didn't always fly level and even. And uh, even when our laser sights were right on target, uh, the balls would sometimes vary, you know, a, a few inches to one side or the other. Uh, in, in our video, we included one of the spots where we actually tagged our, our friend Sam in the shoulder. Uh, and if you watch really closely frame by frame, which I certainly did, you can see that the laser is right on target. Uh, and so the, both the motor, the marker, and, and the, the mounts are all pointed exactly in the right direction. And it was really just the paintball itself that uh, didn't quite hit, hit uh, on target. Now, the uh, the brains of all of this is you mentioned the, the My Rio. Can you uh, talk a little bit about this? I think this is a new piece of hardware from NI, correct? Yeah, and I just released this as past NI week. It's a, it's a brand new embedded controller based on the, the Rio architecture. So if you're familiar with C Rio or single board Rio, it's the same real-time processor partnered with an FPGA, but uh, it's in just a little more friendly form factor. It's, uh, it's small and kind of fits in the size of your hand. It has things like built-in Wi-Fi and a USB host port, which allows you to plug in a, a webcam or really any other USB device. Um, it runs Linux and it has a dual core uh, processor on board. So uh, with all of those different improvements, we were able to very quickly uh, get the software for this thing working. And, uh, you know, for instance, uh, we wanted to make something very safe and reliable uh, that wouldn't fire when we didn't want it to. And so on our uh, controller box, we had a physical switch that you had to flip uh, that would control some blinking red lights that uh, it would only send the, the trigger pulses, you know, when, when that switch was flipped. And because we were able to implement that on the FPGA, on that very low-level code, we were able to make it super reliable so that no matter what Windows was doing at the time or no matter what our USB connection was doing at the time, we could know when the, when the system was safe to stand in front of uh, without wearing a paintball mask. Right. Now, uh, I was reading a little bit of the description of your, um, the paintball Picasso, and it, it talked a little bit that you did some 3D printing. Uh, I think that's something new that you guys done, right? The 3D printing? Yeah, so uh, we've been working a lot with uh, our local makerspace here in Austin called Tech Shop. Uh, they have a couple locations nationwide, and uh, they've given us access to a lot of fun tools that we didn't really previously have. Things like uh, the MakerBot 2 3D printer and, and some nice laser cutters and, uh, and of course, milling machines. And, you know, uh, they even have a, a water jet that can cut through, like, three-inch granite, so it's always fun. 
fun. Uh, but yeah, using the, the 3D printer and the laser cutter uh, helped save us a lot of design time and, and just made it so we could get something custom uh, and clean really quickly. So uh, one of our students uh, um, was able to CAD everything up and design it. And it's really nice with a 3D printer. You can basically say, I want the paintball marker to be here. I know our strut will be here. Just fill in in between using the, the 3D printer. And so you're able to make custom brackets that really fit exactly what you need. Um, and then for the larger pieces, the 3D printed material wasn't quite strong enough for what we wanted. And so we used a couple layers of acrylic that we laser cut into these nice smooth shapes um, and then bolted those to, bolted a few layers together. And it made a, a very strong platform and uh, um, something that, that fit exactly what we needed. So you said tech shop. What, what is tech shop exactly? Uh, so tech shop is a, is a, a maker space. They have, I think six or seven locations currently, uh, and it's, it's, you know, a gym membership model where uh, for uh, a monthly fee, you get full access to all of their machinery and equipment. Uh, and they have a full wood shop and metal shop and, uh, and of course, things like 3D printing and laser cutting. And uh, the one in Austin, we even have a, a robotic quilting machine where you can uh, upload a CAD file and have it uh, sew custom patterns into your quilt. So uh, now that we have access to all that information, it's certainly something we're going to be using a lot more uh, with Waterloo Labs. Sounds awesome. Uh, so the the MyRio um, had to interface to a lot of the other hardware. And uh, what kind of uh, did you have to do any custom electronics or anything there? So we had to do a little bit of custom electronics. The uh, the servo motors that we were using uh, could at peak pull like six amps. Uh, and so because they had such a huge power constraint, we obviously needed a dedicated power supply. Uh, so we just used some off the shelf computer power supply. And we found the cheapest way was to get three separate power supplies. So we had one for each uh, marker. Uh, and then we actually used the, the MyRio uh, proto boards. They have these little uh, solderless breadboards where you can, or sorry, uh, perf boards where you actually have to go and solder the wires in. And so using that perf board, we, we soldered in, a, uh, in our power supplies and then did a little bit of electronics for the uh, e-triggers because we also had to, to boost those up using uh, uh, some transistors. Um, and so we really only needed to do the custom electronics when we needed that extra juice, but uh, we had plenty of space to do it, and, and it was just some, some simple amplify, uh, amplification circuits in order to get everything working. Now, you mentioned already that you used the FPGA to do kind of the, um, the lockout. Um, what, other, uh, what other software development did you have to do to get this going? So, uh, you know, with, with the MyRio, we have three different layers of software. So the, the FPGA is that lowest level where it can, you know, crank out those things and, you know, as I mentioned before, do this, this safety feature. But we also did a lot of our math there because, you know, in the end, we had to do a custom calibration for each individual marker in order to get them all shooting on the same page. Uh, and so we... At the beginning of each run, we would uh, set in custom calibration points at the, the four corners of our, our virtual screen uh, and then just send those down to the FPGA where it would actually crank through all the algebra uh, to move those around. Uh, we also did stuff like, the you know, the, of course, the servo motors take PWM signals. So, you know, doing things like custom PWM generation is very easy in FPGA where you can quickly drop something down there where it'll, it'll send those signals. Now, on the, the real-time side, that's where we did a lot of the vision processing and a lot of the, you know, system-level control where we take in that image from the camera, figure out where the balls are going to go. Uh, organize them into neat patterns so that, you know, we'd shoot the sequentially um, 
uh, you know, a little bit of path planning. And then we just send down an array of uh, paintballs down to the FPGA. Uh, each one just has an XY coordinate and a color. And then from there, the FPGA was able to uh, you know, decipher and move the markers around and then fire the triggers. Uh, the last piece is the, the windows, which was really just our, our user interface where, of course, we were able to show the computer image. Uh, we were able to you know, have lots of buttons where you could move them around, where you could control the calibration. And I did stuff like uh, I hooked up a, a USB joystick so that during calibration, we could just move it around using a, you know, kind of a, a game pad style controller. Uh, which certainly made it a little easier than having to use the arrow keys. Mm -hmm. So the vision portion was to, um, can you explain a little bit how, again, how the vision, so how, how do you, how are you tying the vision to the motion? Sure. So the, we had experimented with a couple of modes, but the one we ended up using, uh, we had our, our webcam pointed at our, our white wall and we had our engineer standing in a white lab coat. Uh, uh, so because that's pretty you know, a white lab coat in front of a white wall is pretty tricky. We did use a green screen. So we, we'd slide in a, a small green screen, uh, take an image with the camera, and then use a little bit of edge detection just to define uh, the edge of our subject. And then using a little math, go ahead and plot a path all the way around their perimeter and, and then divide those up into each individual XY coordinate on a 50 by 50 pixel grid. Uh, so the resolution of our of our system was 50 by 50 pixels for uh, what was effectively a, a seven foot by seven foot area, uh, and so that gave us enough resolution that we could get you know pretty close to our subjects. But uh, because of the inherent accuracy of the paintballs, we couldn't get much finer than that. So, uh, like any custom you know development like this, there's probably some problems along the way. Can you talk a little bit about some of the problems you guys had and some of the challenges? Absolutely. So I'd say the biggest problem we ran into was just uh, developing our routine. I, I know initially I had written it so we had to calibrate it on each individual run, and sometimes we would uh, lose connection with the controller and we would, we would reset it because our USB cord got pu pulled out, and uh, we'd have to always remember to recalibrate. And there was one particular time where we hadn't recalibrated it and we were testing it up at tech shop and uh, we'd finally gotten everything working and everything was all the markers were moving brilliantly and we called everyone in from the shop all these local makers in Austin uh, in to watch this test we hit go and the marker immediately shot all the way up to the ceiling and started painting the ceiling with bright orange paintballs uh, and it was because we had forgotten to reset the calibration on that particular instance uh, and so that that did cause a little bit of havoc and uh, I did have to go back to tech shop and do a little painting on the ceiling in order to, to cover up the orange splat. Um, so th that was certainly unexpected, but uh, in the end, it was just a, a little software tweak where we made it so it would save the last calibration in case you didn't use it. So even if it wasn't dead on for a, a new instance, it would still you know keep the markers on the canvas rather than firing all the way up to the ceiling. So where does this system go now? <laughs> does it go to like the carnival or somewhere where people can just stand in front of it and get shot at or something? <laughs> you know, so, so Waterloo Labs, we don't really do practical things. So all of our uh, systems don't always have a, a good home afterwards. Uh, fortunately, unlike the real life Mario Kart or the driving a car with an iPhone system, uh, this one's at least a little more portable. So we still have the rig. It's to fully intact. Uh, some of our applications engineers have actually taken ownership of it and uh, plan on you know, adding a few new features, and, and we might send it around to some events, including uh, some first competitions this year. But uh, right now, it's, it's uh, just sitting on a shelf uh, waiting to, to be used again. Maybe uh, an iWeek is in the future, maybe? 
Yeah, uh, we can certainly uh, bring it out to NI Week, and, and we've certainly learned it's messy and uh, loud and, and just a little bit dangerous, so we have to be careful where we bring it. Uh, but uh, it's it's available, and uh, we plan on keeping it around for a while. Yeah, I would see that if it was at NI Week, it would have to be in like a, a plexiglass enclosure or whatever, so that nothing flies yeah. out. <laughs> And it's amazing when those paintballs burst, uh, they throw paint everywhere. I mean, they don't always burst evenly. And so even when the marker wasn't pointed at the 30-foot the ceiling we, uh, we had in the room we were working in, uh, paint would still splatter all the way up there, just, you know, little bits. Uh, and, and, of course, we had lots of lab coats and computers and uh, film equipment with paint all over it. So it, it's, it's not uh, the cleanest project we've ever done, but uh, it's certainly one of the more fun ones. So what are, what are the labs and, the, and this whole concept, I guess, is funded by an eye. And uh, what is kind of the ultimate goal of, of this whole process? Is it to uh, test the hardware or learn something in the process? Or what exactly is that? So uh, NI supports us by, you know, giving us access to all the hardware and software we need. And then, uh, you know, sometimes giving us a little bit of budget to buy a, a couple random things like paintball markers when we need them. Um, it's, it's really just a, an effort for us to, to have fun. Uh, you know, we're, we're engineers who work with these tools that are used all over the world in places, you know, like CERN and SpaceX. And so, you know, I don't get to ride the rocket and I don't get to go in the particle accelerator. And so sometimes it's, it's fun to, since we know these tools inside and out, just to see what we can do with it. So, uh, you know, we borrow time from engineers on nights and weekends and, and uh, kind of connect everything together so that we can have fun. And, you know, our goal is always to make a fun project. Um, you know, we, we want to say we're always project focused. We don't start with a product and say we, you know, we want to build something around that. We really start with, uh, you know, a cool idea. And, and Waterloo Labs becomes the answer to the question: Wouldn't it be cool if? Uh, and we just kind of throw out those ideas and see what's feasible and uh, see what we think would be be fun on YouTube. Uh, you know, in the end, one of our goals is really to, to spread our love of engineering, you know, to the masses. Uh, you know, because certainly. You know, NI is connected with engineers and scientists around the world doing these amazing applications, but, you know, the general YouTube audience doesn't necessarily appreciate some of the technology behind these things that we interact with every day. Uh, so we choose projects that, you know, certainly are relevant to us and that we would enjoy sharing on, on social media. Uh, and we want to make stuff that everyone can enjoy and then really appreciate some of the technology and, and the math and the science and the engineering behind it. Yeah, and of, and of course, all of this is powered by LabVIEW, which I love because I'm uh, a LabVIEW fanatic. <laughs> so I, I love that. And uh, so, uh, Hunter, as, as part of your uh, K-12 engineering specialist title, what, what other things do you do besides uh, the Waterloo Labs? So I, I get to be NI's uh, professional kid who plays with a lot of toys. So uh, I work with groups like the First Robotics uh, Organization that, uh, that uses the same uh, Rio controllers and the same and LabVIEW across uh, three different levels of competition. I work with our WRO, the World Robot Olympiad, which is an international robotics competition that uh, uh, focuses a lot on Asia and the Middle East. Uh, I get to work with places like TechShop, which are, are teaching LabVIEW classes uh, at, at all their locations now. Um, and then with with you know organizations like Carnegie Mellon who are creating you know more and more ways to get trained and certified, uh, so that we can get a lot of these high school students or hackers or hobbyists or makers, uh, get them trained up in LabVIEW and get them uh, ready to to go out in the world and do fun stuff and and useful things and uh, build some cool projects. You mentioned the World Robotic Olympiad. Is uh, are you, how are you involved in that? 
Is, is there some uh, LabVIEW or NI hardware involved in there? So yeah, National Instruments is a, is a sponsor of uh, the WRO competition, uh, specifically the college level, which uh, uh, was only a second year pilot uh, this year. And so next year will be our third year. Um, they use the Lego Mindstorms NXT controller uh, along with uh, metal components from either Tetrix or Matrix. And so uh, at the college level, they're using our LabVIEW for Lego Mindstorms uh, language uh, in order to be able to, to control those. And, that, you know, because the NXT is a relatively limited platform, when you're talking about the college level, they really don't want to just be using the NXT G. They want something a little more powerful. And so uh, LabVIEW is able to meet that needs, need for them. Uh, one unique thing about WRO compared to FIRST is WRO is all autonomous. Uh, there's no teleoperated or, or driver-controlled portion of the competition. All they're able to do is hit go at the beginning, and uh, they have to take all their cues from, you know, following lines on the floor and pushing up against sensors and uh, the, the challenges are pretty complex uh, so it's it's certainly a different level of competition from a, a lot of what we see in first which is focused on you know elementary middle school and high school uh, and so we're, we're looking at becoming more involved with WRO as, as time goes on um, but yeah we're happy to see them finding another cool use for LabVIEW. So what does the uh, the future hold what's the next crazy project you guys might be working on? So as always, we have no shortage of ideas. We have plenty of cool ideas to, to work on for our next Waterloo project, but uh, I don't think we'll have anything in the immediate future. We have a, 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 we'll take a little bit of a break after getting this paintball video out, uh, but we'll certainly keep coming up with ideas, and uh, uh, my goal is to get another cool project out by, uh, by NI Week, by August of this year, and so we'll, we'll keep cranking at it and see what else we can come up with. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Hunter, it's, uh, thanks for being on the show. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Michael. And uh, hopefully we'll see some more cool, uh, outrageous videos and, of course, powered by NI Hardware and LabVIEW. Yeah. Um, I have to say, uh, be sure to check out waterloolabs.com where we have technical breakdowns, code downloads, source you know, uh, diagrams, and all kinds of information about our projects. Uh, so if you want to learn more, just uh, check it out on our website. Yep, uh, that's waterloolabs.com, and I'm going to put the video and links on the show notes, and uh, thank you again. All right. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you like the VI Shots podcast and want to support the show, the best way to do this is to go to vishots.com slash iTunes. That will take you to our listing on the iTunes store where you can leave us a written review. You can also leave a review in whatever app you're currently using, of course. The more reviews we get, the more visible the show becomes to a wider audience, and any reviews are appreciated. If you want to comment on anything you hear in today's episode, go to vishots.com slash 39 and post a comment on the show. We also have links to topics mentioned in this episode. Thanks again for listening, and bye for now.